I go through a few news items and I just have to say, what is wrong with people? Because, you know, I find I just keep saying it all week. Cambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Hi Islanders, tonight is a mix-up of a few tragic stories and a couple of light-hearted ones to end the show. You've heard me say quite often what is wrong with people and I'm sure I will keep on saying it. So tonight I'll be covering a few news items that have been going on over the last week or two so buckle up and get ready for the ride. First off, Larissa Bilby who was reported missing and ended up being found dead in a barrel. As you may have known, 16-year-old Larissa Bilby had last been seen on the 15th of June at her halfway house at Sandgate in Queensland. She'd recently moved out of home. It's unknown exactly why, but most of us do remember our rebellious teens and there may have been some strain in the family. Larissa's father, a widower, had been bringing up the family, which was Larissa, her brother and sister Diana, at their Sandgate home in Queensland. Her mum had died when she was quite young, but she was very close to her sister. Larissa, as I said, had last been seen alive on the 15th of June and her last social media posting was on the 18th. After this, some of her friends became a bit worried as she was always posting and it was out of character for her to go offline. According to some of her friends, she'd started to lose weight and had been partying a bit. She was in a relationship with a 34-year-old Zlatko Sikorsky, a contract cleaner. Reports say that Larissa was worried about Sikorsky finding out her real age. Now, on the 26th of June, Larissa's father reported her missing and a search was underway. Now, as I said before, Larissa was staying out of home in a halfway house. The next day, police rocked up to Sikorsky's place at Bakken, only for him to speed off in a black ute which is a pickup for the Americans. Sikorsky drove to a gated community at Stapleton and demanded a resident to let him in. Some reports are that she was offered $2,000 to open the gate and in another report he had a sawn-off shotgun pointed at her. She did open the gate, probably scared out of her wits, and as Sikorsky drove past, she could see an arm hanging out of a blue plastic barrel on the back of the ute. Sikorsky switched into a silver Holden Commodore sedan, leaving the ute with the barrel behind. 
The witness to all this called police and a crime scene was established. Still, Sikorsky was on the run. The body in the barrel was identified as the missing 16-year-old and it has devastated her family and friends. A huge manhunt was underway looking for Sikorsky and eventually on the 1st of June, he was located barricaded in a unit apartment on Queensland's Sunshine Coast. After a 28-hour siege, police apprehended Sikorsky and went on to charge him with 16 offences, including murder and misconduct with a corpse, torture, deprivation of liberty, possessing weapons and dangerous drugs. Also, dangerous operation of a vehicle. A 40-year-old woman and a 38-year-old man from the Sunshine Coast have been charged with accessory after the fact to murder. Now, while the manhunt for Sikorsky was going on, John Sikorsky, the father, had this to say about his son. Wait for police to do their job. Hopefully, all of this is nothing but rubbish. My son, he's a decent person. Now, what's wrong with this bloke? His son is nothing but scum with a list of priors as long as his arm. Now, get this. Sikorsky has now also been charged with two counts of attempted murder and one each of torture and assault, occasionally bodily harm, of a 32-year-old Logan woman in June. She alleges... She was assaulted and threatened with a gun by Sikorsky inside a vehicle in Logan on the 5th of June. And two days later, while they were travelling in Brisbane's east, he repeatedly punched her in the head and pushed her into a car window, causing bruising to her face. Now what's she doing anyway, hanging out with him days after he's threatened her with a gun? What is wrong with these people? Now, Sikorsky won't contest most of the charges, but he will contest the murder charge. My guess is he will try to make out Larissa died from what they call misadventure, which could be anything from overdosing to getting drunk and falling down, cracking your head open. Still, police believe she died between the 22nd and 28th. Why not call emergency services? The only reason you don't is to try and protect yourself. I mean, what an absolute fucktard. So we will have to wait for the final chapter on this one after the trial. Our thoughts go out to the family and friends, not that it's really going to help that much. So this case will have to be left here until the trial is over, and I will report back in full. Next case. Well, a few weeks ago, I told you of the shootings in Western Australia where a grandfather shot and killed his wife, daughter and his grandkids. Well, we've had another father kill his kids this week and this is from ABC and News.com. Sydney father John Edward, 68, was found dead this morning after fatally shooting his two teenage children at a Sydney home in Pennant Hills. The father, a financial services worker, had been involved in custody hearings about the children over the past two years. In what police described as a planned attack, 
Police say Edwards went to a West Pennant Hills home and shot his son Jack, 15, and daughter Jennifer, 13, shortly before 5.20pm yesterday, which was the other day. Their mum returned home from work about an hour later and was in shock at what she found. Can you imagine what she felt like walking in on her two children shot dead? Anyway, let's go on. They were found in their bedrooms in the home they shared with their mother. The children were trying to hide in a bedroom and were huddled together when he opened fire. After an overnight search, police discovered Edward's body at his home in Normanhurst, a suburb on Sydney's Upper North Shore, about five kilometres from where the children were killed. Two guns, described as powerful handguns by police, were found at the property. The 68-year-old male was the holder of a number of firearms, Superintendent McFadden told reporters in Sydney on Friday. The two handguns were registered in his name. We understand that those handguns came into his possession lawfully earlier this year. The information we've gleaned leads me to believe this was premeditated and planned. Edwards was previously known to police, but his criminal record was from many years ago and not extensive, according to Superintendent McFadden. The details about the nature of the relationship, particularly in recent times, and the level of access that the 68-year-old had to his children is subject to investigation. I do know there were some custody hearings over the last two years. This was a planned activity on the part of the 68-year-old male, and we are of the belief that shortly thereafter... He has attended the address at Normanhurst and taken his own life, just like a coward scumbag he is. Another case of someone killing their loved ones before turning the gun on themselves. I mean, what is wrong with these people? Why don't they just off themselves? This guy had obviously been planning this for a long time and as a mate who works in the family area said to me, They leave the family home or are kicked out, lose everything and then lose their mind. They crack, but they have the need to take the rest of the family with them. Fuck's sake, the shit thing is this won't be the last time. And this guy got his guns legally, so even the strictest gun laws won't stop this type of violence. Anyway, you can take the guns away. He would have knifed them. I guess we'll have to wait for a coroner's report before I can update you on this case. Anyway, let's get on to a bit about Eurydice's Dixon's rape and murder. Now, this really shocked the nation. It was in the early hours of June 13 that the 22-year-old comedian was walking home through Princess Park in northern Melbourne when she was allegedly attacked, raped and murdered by 19-year-old James Todd. Her body was found by passers-by soon after. Todd handed himself into police a day or so later after a huge media blitz showing his photo everywhere from CCT cameras. Now, she'd just finished a gig, had had a few drinks with her boyfriend and then left to walk home, texting on her way that she would be home soon. 
you would think that not only a woman but anyone would be able to do this and get home safe without some fucktard coming along and committing such a heinous crime. I mean, what are they thinking when they do it? That they're going to get away with it? This, this scum was captured on CCTV everywhere. He was always going to get caught. Now, Todd's lawyer, he's pulled the autism card out straight away. Now, this is from ABC News. Victoria legal aid lawyer John Reardon said it was Mr. Todd's first time in custody and stressed his vulnerability in that environment due to his youth and diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. I mean, look, it's hard to say too much before the trial so as to not cause issue with the legal process, but part of going to jail is is a deterrent to committing the crime. It's the fact it is not a holiday camp. I mean, fuck, look, I'm all for helping the mentally ill, but when something is that broken, don't expect the law or society to have any sympathy towards you. If the guy is guilty, then he's guilty. If he is that broken inside, then don't let him out ever. But this is not the only disgusting thing that happened. The night before a vigil was being held for Eurydice's at Prince's Park, some dickfuck cuntard decided to make a giant penis on the ground next to where a floral tribute had been set up for her. This piece of scumfuckle is alleged to be, well, he's fucking publicly confessed, 31-year-old Andy Nolch, and this is from the ABC as well. Mr. Nolch said on social media that he once hosted a comedy show on community television and used to be interested in stand-up comedy, but did not describe himself as a comedian. I do not want to be associated with Melbourne comedians, he said. The TV show never got cancelled. I stopped making it as I discovered that TV is full of corporate and government propaganda. He says he did the vandalism because he was upset that vaccines caused the killer's autism. What the fucking fuck fuck? This guy also posted the mainstream media is only reporting on murders done by men, which is making people think that all men are crazy, scary murderers. Now, I don't agree with the way the mainstream media is dealing with violence in our society either, but I'm not going to deface the area set up as a remembrance for someone who's just been viciously raped and murdered. If the family and friends haven't had enough to deal with without shit-tards like Nulch having their disgusting say, luckily, police and firemen were able to sort it out before the vigil. <sighs> All right. This is the last shocking what-the-fuck story tonight. 16-year-old boy charged in shocking murder of 6-year-old Alicia McPhail. A 16-year-old boy known to the family of 6-year-old Alicia McPhail has appeared in court and has been charged with the rape and murder of the schoolgirl in a crime that has rocked a small Scottish town. The teen, who cannot be named for legal reasons, was arrested on Wednesday and entered no plea when he appeared in the Greenock Sheriff Court on Friday, reports the BBC. 
he's expected to return to court next week. Alicia, who was only six years old, remember, she was from Airdrie, North Lanarkshire. She was spending the school holidays at her grandparents' house on the Isle of Bute, an island in Scotland, when she was reported missing early on Monday morning. Her lifeless body was discovered by a member of the public less than three hours later, about one and a half kilometres away in Woodland on the site of a former hotel. Okay, not much to say here. 16-year-old boy rapes and murders a six-year-old girl. What the fuck is wrong with people? Now, he can't be named for legal reasons. Look, if he stole a few Mars bars from the local shop, fine. Don't let his name go out to the media. It's not a crime that should destroy his life. But we're talking about rape and murder of a six-year-old girl here. This piece of refuse needs to be named and shamed. Never to be released. Never released. He should not be put on some couple-of-year remand in some juvie facility to be allowed to walk free when he's 18 with some new identity and government assistance. He needs to be marked for life as the disgusting animal he is. Allegedly. Okay, I'm beyond rage at this stage. But before we get onto something like Electric Fence Guy, the Aussie version anyway, I want to say something about the story that landed on Nine News this week. It's about stupidly entitled parents. Now, mother slams horrendous jet star after cancellations strand 12-year-olds in airport for hours. Now, a mother has slammed Jetstar, which is a low-cost carrier, for abruptly cancelling flights out of Sydney Airport this morning, leaving her 12-year-old son and his friend stranded alone for nine hours after they were rebooked. Claire Stevenson told Nine News that her son Lachlan and his friend Tyler, also 12, had flown from Melbourne to Sydney for a week-long trip during the school holidays to be with Grampies. While the first leg of the flight to Sydney last week ran smoothly, Miss Stevenson said that she received a text message notifying her at 5.22am this morning that Lachlan's 8.25am flight back to Melbourne had been cancelled without explanation. They'd been staying with my dad, good old Grampies. He took them to the airport. They were told that their flight was cancelled and they were rebooked onto a 4pm flight and there was no explanation, she said. Oh, my God. I called the Jetstar call centre. Any good with that? That's just not going to help you. To find out what the problem was. And I got a lady who basically said that it was due to operational reasons. That's usually why Jetstar said that because they have a policy on their website that children can travel independently from 12 years of age, it's expected that they can manage the situation. Well, yeah. A Jetstar spokesman today said that five flights from Sydney Airport had been cancelled due to weather conditions, crew sickness and airport curfews, and that customers would have to be rebooked. For Lachlan and Tyler, who were travelling alone for the first time, well, actually the second time because they'd already got to Sydney, that process meant that they were left alone in Sydney Airport for nine hours. 
Miss Stevenson told Nine News she's so upset that when she called the boys to check on their welfare, they said that a customer assistant at Sydney Airport had told them to wait by a Jetstar desk and somebody would monitor them. It's been a huge learning curve for them and probably lucky for Simone, Tyler's mother and I, we've got very responsible kids, but it's been very traumatic, she said. It's her first time travelling independently. And this has happened and Jetstar has absolutely been atrocious. <laughs> what have they done? Yes, they've apologised, but they can apl- apologise all they like. It needs to be fixed. Miss Stevenson also said that as a result of missing their scheduled morning flight, which we had so much fog here, fog flight back to Melbourne, a devastated Lachlan would miss a pre-planned basketball tournament. Poor Lachlan. How do you console a 12-year-old over the phone that he'll now miss his tournament because Jetstar Jetstar cancelled his flight, she said. Oh, my God, it's going to scar him for life. We dropped them to the airport in Melbourne, accompanied them to the gate, got them on the flight where they were met at the gate by my dad, Grampy's, in Sydney, and there was no issue on the way up. But coming back, it's a completely different story. The Jetstar communication is horrendous because there is none. That's because it's a low-cost carrier. Miss Stevenson said that she would absolutely never fly with Jetstar again after today's debacle, and I'm sure they don't want her either. It's not good enough. They can't stand by a desk all day, she said. From what I can gather, they haven't been offered food or water or anything. Yeah, They've just been left to flounder. Well, yeah. I've just been telling them to look at the boards and make sure they get on their flight. Yeah, you wouldn't want them to miss the 4pm one. That's going to be trouble. The mother also said that while the two boys were able to board their 4pm flight, the plane was then delayed for an hour due to aircraft technical issues that saw them sit on the tarmac for another hour. (laughs) Okay. So Gramps dumps them at the airport without making sure they got on the plane. Sydney Domestic allows non-flyers to go right through to the security or through the security and wait at the gates. Why didn't Gramps do that or at least drive back and stay with them once there was a delay? Jetstar, as I said, is a low-cost carrier and, you know, ultra-cheap tickets, any extras you pay for. And unlike full-service carriers, they're not going to give you free food if there's a flight delay. What makes me sick is not only is mummy whinging, but the media pick it up as a story. What the fuck's wrong with you lot? This is not news. This is stupid parents and grandparents doing stupid things. Flights get cancelled. She even admits that at 5.22am this morning that Lachlan's 8.25am flight back to Melbourne had been cancelled without explanation. So why'd Gramps drop them off if the flight was cancelled and they were rebooked at 4pm? Maybe he was sick and tired of them and happy to get rid of them for fuck's sake, people. Take responsibility for yourselves and can the media please stop reporting on non-issues like this? I mean, there was one in the US a few weeks ago where a lady who had a mixed-race child was stopped by airline staff and asked for identification of her and a child. She was up in arms about how she was racially profiled and how fucking disgusting she was. I mean, she's just screaming the racism. Funny, it is certainly the law here, and I'm sure it's probably in the US, that parents do need to provide identification, especially if one 
parents traveling with children. This helps to prevent kids being abducted by said parent that may be in, in a custody dispute. I remember at Avalon Airport a few years ago where Gramps had forgotten the paperwork to board a plane and the staff were frantically trying to get it faxed through so he could board the flight with his grandkids. This isn't racism or racial profiling. Imagine if the woman involved in the incident was not the mother and was kidnapping the kid. Now, that would be a story from the media that the airline staff failed to check identity documents and the kid got stolen, for fuck's sake, people. Anyway, that's my rant. On to something a little different. Stupid people. Schoolies tattoo scores Sydney teen free KFC for a year. Brooke Collins has won the free KFC for a year contest for showing her love and dedication to the fried chicken brand. The 19-year-old from Penrith was crowned Queen of Chicken 2018 for her and her friends matching KFC tattoos on their ankles. I mean, if that doesn't show dedication and love for KFC, I don't know what does she wrote. The winning prize entitles her to 100 bucks worth of KFC products each week for 52 weeks. $5,200 across the year or about 458 three-piece boxes. I'm going to be sick. What What do you say to this? What's the, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is fucking wrong with you, girl? And hi to my mate Neil at Penrith. I hope it's not your daughter. But the average IQ just dropped there a few points on her return. So on to the next bit. And I think Bloody Murder covered this, and it did happen a few years ago, but we need a way to lighten up the episode more than the KFC ankles before we can finish up tonight. Cracker up his clacker. Now, this is from the NT News, which uh, has a bit of a reputation for funny uh, headlines. A man who suffered serious burns when his friend lit a firecracker in his bum says he was just showing his visiting mates to the Territory a good time. Alex Bowden, 23, of Wagaman, Darwin, put a spinning flying pee-wing firework in his butt crack during a party at a rented house at Rossiter Street, Rapid Creek, on Saturday night. His mate Todd Lavelle lit the fuse. What are mates for? I had a few mates up from Queensland and I had to put on a good show, he told the Northern Territory News from his hospital bed. I just had a few beers with the boys and let off a few firecrackers and I put one in my ass. Mr Bowden was wearing trousers at the time and he took it standing up. It didn't, burn, it didn't burn my balls or my back, the fitter and turner said. Just my fingers and my ass. What was his fingers doing there? It was a pretty loose one, hey. The cracker burned his bum cheeks and his index, middle and ring fingers. Ring. Ring finger on his right hand, which he used to pull a cracker from his crack. Mr Bowden was not bleeding after it and he could walk afterwards. His mate, Reese McEwen, said, He screamed a little bit and there were a fair few F-words, but Mr Bowden denied there were any tears. You can't sit here crying, he said. He's, he's sober, mate. There was a sober one there. 
then drove him to the Royal Darwin Hospital burns unit where he's expected to remain for a few days. He was in a stable condition last night. His only request was, a big shout out to the boys in Dalby. And that's a Queensland town where he grew up. Mr Bowen said his mother thought it was funny. (laughs) I can imagine. It's not as bad as everyone is saying, he said. The police confiscated the fireworks when they arrived at the house. But the party could expect a $282 fine from NT police for setting off fireworks outside of Territory Day and inside your bum. Well, maybe not as bad as Electric Fence Guy, but at least he is an Aussie. So, that's it for tonight. Get ready for next week's full proper case. I'll be talking to Jeremy the lawyer also about bail and parole this week, so look out for that as well. So we need to shout out the new patrons on the island and hi to Fiona Griffin, Hilda Thoraronson, who also has a book out called Lona. Now, apparently this is an atmospheric thriller with a heavy dose of humour that will have you laughing and full of suspense at the same time. The surprising plot developments made it impossible to put down. That's from Tara Saraband, Bloody Murder Podcast. Now, I, Hilda actually sent me a copy of the book. Just been flat out to sit down and read it properly. But, yep, I'll take what T- Tara has to say as gospel. You can get uh, Hilda's book, Loner, from Amazon or just Google it. So back to the Patreons, hi to Mary Jo, who was somehow glitched on Facebook the other day. I don't know what happened there. Uh, she's uh, back as a patron. A big shout out to Supreme Goddess Christy Booth. Thank you so much for your support. And thanks to all the existing and past Patreons for your support. It's very much appreciated as this is a commercial free podcast, which I know you all love. And the show is totally listener supported. If you want to become a patron of the island, just go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland where for as little as a dollar a month you can become a patron. All funds go directly back to the island. So far, listeners, as I said last week, have funded the new PC, new headphones, all the hosting costs, new mics for when I'm on holidays away from home, and they've helped with the upfront cost of some of the merch. So cheers, everyone, and grab a beer. You can also do one-off payments via PayPal, and you can do that by typing paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. You can buy me a beer. If you want stickers, koozies, pins, or key rings, you need to email me directly. My email for anything is cambo at truecrimeisland.com. I can price it up for you according to postage and whatever you want. You can buy the keychains, pins, koozies by themselves if you like. Look, just send me an email. All other merch, such as t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, marks of rage, even beach towels, is via the shop at truecrimeisland.threadless.com. Now, it may all be confusing, but there are links to everything at my website, truecrimeisland.com, or just send me an email. Again... You don't have to spend money to support the show. You can rate, review and share the love. The more people who know about the show, the better. If people don't know what a podcast is, then please show them the way. Join the Facebook group. Just search for True Crime Island and join in the chat. Don't forget to check out the Twitter and Instagram. The 
the island handle is at True Crime Island. You can join in the chat there and so many other podcasts are on there. You'll find something you love. Hi to all the followers. Promo tonight is for my great mates at Bloody Murder. Barney and Tara have a fantastic weekly show and I'm sure there are a lot of Islanders that are also Bloody Murder fans. But if you haven't listened, it's a great comedy true crime podcast. Well, that's about it for tonight and lots of love to Maggie James. So, this has been Camber. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say... Don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And we do Bloody Murder. We're a weekly true crime podcast that focuses on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. We're a comedy podcast with a dark sense of humour. But we're dead serious about murder and the people it affects. We find humour in some unexpected places. But never at the expense of the victims or their families. We've been described as the blue cheese of podcasting. Addictive, strong and satisfying. And a bit stinky. I am not. You know you are. Bloody Murder is available on your favourite podcatcher.